Hey, my name's Neil. And my name's David. And we are not film critics. This week's episode, we are going to discuss the legendary filmmaker and writer, John Hughes. But first off, I guess before we start, let me just get this out of the way. I adore John Hughes. I adore his movies. He's the, he's the reason why I love watching movies now. You know, um, I really, I guess the the era of the 80s in film and art and music was just, you know, for me personally, it was amazing. And, you know, John Hughes, he, he's a big factor as to why I love movies. Yeah. Before we were, like, before this, I'd only watched a few of John Hughes' movies. I had heard of them, obviously. Like, he's a, like, he's a very famous filmmaker in the 80s and 90s. But I only watched, like, I think four or five of them. Oh, yeah. All right. That's that's all cool, though. That's fine, because um, he, you know, he, he honestly didn't have... A lot of movies, just like his movies, his career as a filmmaker is short and sweet, you know, just to say that. He did read a lot of great movies, though, you know. Um, so I guess we'll break it apart into, I guess, two sections. First, we'll focus on the movies that he, he written and directed. And then afterwards, we could talk about the other movies that he just written or produced. So first off, maybe this may be, well... Let's start off with the very first movie that he directed. His directorial debut was The Sixteen Candles, uh, starring Molly Ringwald. Um, obviously, Molly being in a lot of his movies, and Anthony Michael Hall, another one of, you know, another uh, actor who appeared in a lot of his movies. What did you think of Sixteen Candles? Honestly, didn't love it. Mm. <laughs> okay. Because I. I went into the movie and I was just because so this may be a fall of my own, but I remember when I was a kid, there was a, a there was a version of this movie. I can't remember if it was called Sixteen Candles or Sixteen Wishes or something. It was something to do with sixteen, right? And it was yeah, with yeah, I um, remember. I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about? The one with uh, that girl from um, Debbie Ryan. Gym. Yeah, yeah, Debbie yeah, Ryan. Yeah. Debbie Ryan, and uh, she was in it, and she, it was all like, oh wow, she had like these candles and she blew on them and she got magic wishes, right? And I went into this movie thinking it was like generally the same, but it was not. It was just like a, a teen movie where it's like people forget a birthday, you know? And so that's a bit on me. I came in with the wrong expectations, right? But even I think even without me coming in with the wrong expectations, this movie wasn't the greatest. Like, maybe it's a product of its time. Maybe, like, you know, I would have found it more entertaining if I saw it in the theater in like the 80s or the, in the, like, 1984. But I don't know. It's just, it, it didn't grab me. It just seemed like a normalish story with like kind of a bit lazy characterization and like not it it never really fully committed to its like characters never really fully committed to the plot and a lot of it just wraps up at the end for no apparent reason and it just never feels like and never feels real never feels authentic because I I feel like I like when I watch a movie I never felt like because of I've heard a lot of people say when they watched John Hughes' movie, they felt seen, you know? Like, oh, wow, that's really how teenagers were. But that's not how I felt when I watched this movie. I, th this movie was honestly, it, it feels dated. It does feel dated. And I don't relate to it. I don't feel related to it. It's kind of it's kind of a meh movie. And I don't know. I guess, I guess it's, a, it's a, a product of its time, especially looking back now. Because obviously I'm a teenager in the modern era, you know? And I have, like, different assumptions, base assumptions, than teenagers in the 80s did. You know, and I don't know. I feel like I'm trying to rationalize this this movie that it's 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 fine. But I've heard so much like people are like, oh my god, Sixteen Candles was so good. You know, I'm like it's 
it's kind of like eh, I don't know. It's it's not the greatest. It's not the greatest. I don't know. I didn't I didn't connect with it. I think I'm gonna leave it there. I didn't connect with it. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely I definitely understand what where you're coming from. You know, obviously, uh this movie was made in the eighties, which is like what, forty years ago? Or if I'm if I'm doing my math right, forty years forty years ago. A little less maybe. And uh you know, times back then was different. And I, I you know, personally I felt the movie was uh I, I wouldn't say it wasn't I wouldn't say it was bad, but I think it was good enough for me to keep watching. You know, I, like the whole time, the the whole time while I was watching the movie, I was just hooked onto it, and uh, a lot of it, I guess, maybe was because of uh, how um, how how sorry how comical it was, you know, but not directly. There were a lot of times where you know the comedy was uh, it was I guess it was indirect comedy where you know you it's not something you'd have you'd you'd understand at first glance or it's not something that you know is that is directed uh i i wouldn't say i hated it but I, again as you said it wasn't the greatest movie as others say it is as great of a movie as others say it is uh and again i think i still think the the i guess the dialogue was was strong just like all of his other movies he does a great job and again it was good enough for me to stay hooked the whole an hour and a half yeah, an hour and a half of of the whole time of the the whole movie, and you also have to think this was his first uh, movie that he actually directed, and I think you know as as a, I guess as his directorial debut, I think that you know it was it, it was pretty well done. Uh, I like the well, I, I like how like the set was, I guess very true to its time. The um, the uh, what is that called? The, the editing. I, I I like the editing and the camera movements just because, um, you know, it was most of the time it was just in one spot and it was just, you know, it was letting the actors actually act out. It was sort of like a, I don't want to say it was like a play, but it, it was most of the time it was, you know, the camera was in one spot and then, you know, you're, you're just watching what's actually happening. And that's something I really like, you know, because sometimes when, when the movie's moving around, when the camera is moving around to watch the movie, it sometimes it gives me well personally it gives me I guess a headache, you know, because uh well it obviously it differs you know in different settings and and different I guess stories and stuff like that, but I I, I for the most part I like the movie. Yeah, uh, before we move on to the next one, the one thing I want to say about John Hughes as a filmmaker, I've definitely noticed when I go through his movies, he definitely gets better the longer he makes movies. Like this first one, it's meh. But I think from here, for the most part, with a few like notable exceptions, it it gets better. Oh, yeah. It gets very much better. For sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah, it definitely it definitely does get better. Now, the second movie, this this movie is probably one of the more beloved teen teenage movies of all time. It's out of its I guess it's timeless. If if you wanna if you wanna say uh the Breakfast Club. Now, The Breakfast Club, again, starring Molly Ringwald and Anthony Michael Hall. This, I, th- I think this was, this movie was great. It was, it was released a year from uh, 16 Candles, but you could definitely see improvements from John Hughes as a director. What do you think? Another uh, spicy, hot take over here. Um, I remember I first saw this movie, I think, two or so years ago, and I had heard it was the, the definitive teen movie. 
like like all like basically you know like it, it basically defined a generation and stuff like that much of the similar things i heard about um was it uh 16 candles but even more so with the breakfast club right and i watched it and again i had this kind same kind of meh reaction i had to 16 candles i just didn't find it compelling i don't know i think it's a generational thing i really do i i just I couldn't relate to any of the characters. I couldn't. I didn't find their. I didn't find them overly likable or charming or relatable. I didn't think the the like the plot was generally good. I didn't think you know the 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 growth of the characters was really believable. I didn't. I just didn't under. Not maybe I didn't understand it. It's just I couldn't. I couldn't connect with it. Again, the same thing with Sixteen Candles. I felt like it was. Not that it, I don't want to use. I'm. I don't want to use the word childish because it's definitely not. It definitely does tackle some like more adult topics. I don't know. I think it's just a generational gap. Again, I just I'm just not relating to it. I think in order to enjoy John Hughes's movies, I think you have to relate to the characters. Even like or not even relate to like the whole character. Like you don't have to be like Molly Ringwald to relate to the characters. You just have to have some aspect of them match up or you have to like be something like you have to relate to some aspect of the character. I just I just didn't find them any of them relatable. I feel like they were like they sure they were stereotypes, but like and they did come out of those stereotypes a bit, but I don't know. I just, I don't feel like they established themselves enough from those stereotypes. If that makes any sense. Okay. Well. Well. I mean, I'd have to disagree, but you do make a good point, though. You do make a good point that you know to to really enjoy John, a John Hughes movie, you'd have to somewhat relate to the characters, and I for sure I definitely related to uh, more importantly Emilio uh, Andrew Andrew. Um, Andrew as a character, I definitely related to, I guess, this whole his whole situation and whatnot, but that's another topic for another day. And you do make a good point in that. But I guess let's focus on his style, I guess, as a director. Cause because again, this I think this was his second movie that he, he directed or third, I'm not really sure. Uh yeah, second, right. So do you see any improvements? I think I do. I think I do see some improvements from this person. I think um, the dialogue is a bit stronger. I think the acting from like he's able to coax to coax better like coax. I can't remember. Like get better acting out of his actors. I think he's like improved as a director, telling them how to feel. Um, I think he's allowed. I think you know his like his style. It's evolved from just kind of basic to maybe a bit more complicated. I feel like he has a better sense of the plot in this movie. It's not so much aimless as it is in Sixteen Candles. It definitely has a, like a, a definite like things are happening and things are happening and things are happening. Okay, the 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 problem I had with this movie though, I th- I think was the pacing. You know, the movie is it's fairly short and compared to I guess uh standard time in feature films, it's an, an hour and 30 minutes long, but it felt it felt like it was over 3 hours long. I don't know, I maybe that's that's just me, but it felt very long for me. Uh I, I do see I do I do see improvements compared to um the uh the sixteen candles. I, I see that um a lot of the times you know the the in in the Breakfast Club there was uh I guess again the the camera is 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 just in one spot and you know it's letting the actors play out but there was one there was one part that stood out to me the most it was the one when they had the I guess they were in a circle and then they had. Andrew, you know, telling them what what actually happened. I liked how I liked how the um the camera moved, I guess, in a semicircle around Andrew from right to left. I, that that was 
to me that was a standout just because most of the time the um the camera was just in one spot and just letting the actors play it out kind of like a like a play you know like a like a stage play uh i i like the i guess the the dynamic the dynamics of the characters you know although they are very different from one another you know an athlete a nerd a princess a social misfit and i guess they call him a criminal they still i guess they learn from one another you know and in the end they they got to know um each other much better and then they they realized that you know different people have different different experiences and so you just can't base it off that what i like about this movie though is i like how the i guess the concept of the story of having totally different people you know totally you know people from different experiences having different interests having them i guess uh be in one room and you know spend time together and really get to know each other because in in reality we are we as a humanity i guess aren't aren't that different from one from one another as as we think we are and i think that's what makes the 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 movie the breakfast club so timeless as others say it is and but you do make a good point though as saying that you have to you have to i guess relate to the characters to actually enjoy the movie Nonetheless, it's still enjoyable to watch. Now, the the next movie, um, which was actually, which is first of all interesting, very interesting. Uh, Sixteen Candles, The Breakfast Club, and the movie that we're going to talk about now, which is Ferris Bueller's Day Off, probably one of his more famous famous movies. They all came out literally consecutively from one another. Sixteen Candles came out in eighty four, eighty five, and then. Breakfast Club in 85 and First Beauty in 86. I think that that was, I don't know, some, for me, that was, that was, I guess, that's something interesting. And, you know, the amount of, uh, I guess, uh, what's the word? What's the word? Content he was able to, like, put out. It's ridiculous. In, yeah, yeah, in yeah, between, yeah, for sure. what is it? Ferris Bueller's Day Off and um, what is it? Uh, was it The Breakfast Club? He also, what is it? He also, what is it? He wrote, we, he yeah, wrote, he wrote um, two different a, European Vacation. He directed Weird Science. He yeah. was the executive producer and the writer of Pretty in Pink. Like, For Jesus sure. Christ, yeah. how much is this dude working? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking too. You know, if you look at the, I guess, the timeline of his movies, they're all very compact. They're all, you know, mid to late 80s. And it's, it's, it was, it's a lot, you know, it's hefty. <laughs> so I guess let's get into Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, what do you think of the movie, David? Um, it's a great, it's a good movie. It's definitely like above, like so far with like what he had put out at that time in his career. Um, and it was like it was definitely, I think, it was definitely a noticeable like step above. I, I, the character Ferris, Ferris Bueller was better. His like friend was pretty, like his friend was pretty good. The like the plot was, it wasn't like more. It, the plot was like more sound and like it. Not that it made more sense. It was funnier. Like, it was also a funnier movie. And, like, it was definitely... You could definitely feel him leaning into the comedy a lot more. And I think, generally, I think this shows a significant step up. And I really like this movie. It's a good movie. Yep. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I, I remember we were in a um, drama class. And our teacher, I guess, told us to uh, tell the class the movie that we really liked. I, and 
the the the, the first thing that the first movie that came into mind was Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Watching this movie, I really enjoyed it. You know, I love the carefree that Ferris had as a character, and then combine that with the, uh, I guess I don't want to say, I don't want to say, I don't want to say he's he's um tight, but uh he's I guess uh Cameron he's more of a he's 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 less of he's he's not Ferris you know when it comes to I guess being he doesn't have careful. the confidence that Ferris does yeah for sure yeah exactly and I think I you know again having those two in the same movie and then th- those two characters uh being I guess co-stars I, that that made it super interesting and super fun to watch uh there was this this comment that I that I uh came about in 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 social media they said Ferris Bueller was was a movie about Cameron's about Cameron's growth as a person. Here, hear me out. So in the beginning of the movie, right, Cameron was very uh careful, right? Especially since he's dealing with, I guess, parents who were split. And uh he he really cared about his, I guess, his reputation as a son and making his dad his and his mom happy but then the and in the end of the movie when the 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 car broke he's cameron just lost it right he just i guess he got out of his bubble and went off went went ran and destroyed the the car and basically said everything that he's that he's been thinking and he's he's, he's felt i th- that I don't know. <laughs> the internet is a great place and a bad place at the same time, but that I guess that comment just really stuck to me. Because Cameron was a uh, one of the more important characters aside from Ferris for sure. Yeah, he definitely grew a lot over the course of the movie. Yeah, I also like the uh, uh, one of my favorite scenes of all time was the the one in the museum. You know what I'm talking about? No, the art gallery actually. It was the art gallery. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm. Was it the one where they're in the art gallery and they're looking at a bunch of stuff and like? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. like a bunch of like music. I can't remember what it would. Oh god, I can't remember exactly what happens. But I, I think I, I do remember them being in an art gallery. Right. Yeah. You you remember that? Right. Yeah. That was that's definitely one of my favorite scenes in movie history of all time. Uh, the editing there. The editing there was was great. Uh, I like the. Um, I guess the storytelling by just by just showing, you know, the characters, and then a little bit after that, the paintings, the great paintings in uh Chicago's art museum or something like that. But yeah, I, that definitely one of my favorite scenes of all time. Anything stand out to you? Um, not really. No, I mean, I don't know. I like the movie. I like the final scene where like he's running and like he's trying to beat him home. That's a fine scene. That's a good scene. I don't know. Like, a lot of these John Hughes movies, they don't have a lot of, like, like standout moments, but they're just generally solid movies. I don't know. Maybe it, it's different for everyone, but, like, Ferris Bueller said, it's just a generally solid movie. Oh, yeah, for sure. I definitely feel you. And uh, so, I guess, do you want to talk more about uh, of his other direct movies that he directed, or do you want to get into the movies that more, more so he produced and written? Um, I think, I think, I think if we're going to go like movie uh, directed, 
then I think we have to talk about um, planes, trains, and automobiles and Uncle Buck. I think we cannot, like, exclude those movies from our, our, our quote-unquote analysis. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, so I guess let's start off with uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. What do you think of the movie? This is an absolutely amazing movie. It is legitimately one of my favorite movies. Because oh, wow. not only like that, like, uh, was it Steve Martin and, um, was it, uh, oh, God, John Candy. It's John Candy play off each other so well. But it's also like it, like, and they're, and they're incredibly funny, right? It's also that the, was it, there also has like a real emotional core to it. You know, like John Candy, like is he's a very sad guy in this movie, but you don't really notice it because how often he's the butt of the joke, you know, but he's a very sad person. And, you know, he does stand up for himself. He doesn't allow himself to be basically run over by Steve Martin. He does stand up for himself and he does, you know, he is a person. They do both feel like very real people. And like it not, not only does the movie have great emotions and it also has a great ending, but it's funny. It's one of the funniest movies I have ever seen. And like it, it doesn't. It never resorts to cheap comedy. It almost never resorts to cheap comedy. Every time, like it's the funniest thing you've ever. And it's just the actions on screen. Like when Steve Martin he gets stranded at the bus thing and he has to walk all the way back and he gets to the lady and he swears like 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 the world is gonna end. He swears so much and then the the lady like she like she like she fires right back with like her own um insult and it's the funniest thing. And then. You you already know what I'm talking about, but the scene on the highway it's and like that's one of the funniest scenes I've ever had like I've I've ever seen. I remember watching this because I have a I have a DVD of planes, trains, and automobiles in my house, and I have watched this scene on repeat. Who knows so many times? Because I die every time. Like was the the people are yelling, "You're going the wrong way!" And like, oh, they're drunk. And like, because they don't understand what it means. Like, even thinking about it gets me cracking up because it's that it's that funny. It's it's not just oh wow, like you know, like they just do something, like they say something and expect you laugh. It's like actually, it's physical comedy, but it's funny physical comedy. It's like the actions of the characters in the movie that is funny, and like how they're all. It's like the misunderstandings. And of the movie are just so funny. It like, I don't know. It's one of the best. It's one of the best movies I've ever seen. It's one of the funniest comedies I've ever seen. And it it I don't know. It's just the two actors play off. The two actors play off each other so well, and it's it's amazing. I love it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know what's interesting though? I think I'm I, I might have read somewhere that he actually made this movie to show that he doesn't only do he he doesn't only does teenage movies. Yeah, but obviously he has other movies. But you know, during that time, he was he was very known for The Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller, and Sixteen Candles, which were teenage movies. And again, I'm looking at the release date. This came out a year after Ferris Bueller. And wow, again, bro, the amount of content that he's put out in in a short amount of time is just yeah. Somehow, <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous, bro. It's ridiculous. You know, maybe maybe he had these written out beforehand and he just actually had to produce it but even that that still takes a lot of work takes a lot of time as well uh so i guess let's move on to uncle buck do do you want to go first because i have a lot to say about uncle buck do you want to go first okay all right i'll go i'll go first uncle buck uh i i starring john candy obviously he also starred in on planes trains and automobiles i i enjoyed this movie a lot I, i i enjoyed the movie the movie was funny 
it was it was funny it was uh but this i guess the the plot wasn't very compelling but it was i guess the comedy was and the dialogue was there uh was there enough for me to to stay on the movie stay on and watch it uh other than that i think that's all i have to say about uncle buck it's it's a moderately good movies movie but it was still enjoyable to watch you know don't get me wrong it was it was fun to watch I still, I still finished the movie, but it, I didn't, I didn't really. I guess I wouldn't rank it as high as I would compared to his other movies. Well, um, a uh, little spoiler alert here. Um, this is my favorite John Hughes movie. Wow, actually, I really like this movie. Okay, so now let, let me give some background here. Nostalgia may a hundred percent play a part in this, right? I haven't had this movie on DVD since I was a kid. I remember watching it so many times. I like I I I quote this family to my movie. Oh uh, uh, my! I sorry. I quote this um this movie to my family daily, literally daily. I can I can quote his, some of his like speeches like that he gives to, like his kids like off my memory. It's the most because like I've watched this movie so many times and maybe it's like I've watched so many times that I have no choice but to love it. But you know what? It's a great movie anyway, and I, I can't even express how much I love this movie. John Candy is amazing. All the kids are great. Macaulay Culkin's great. The teenage daughter is great. Um, what is it? I and I and I like how like sure like it's it's a funny movie, right? Of course it's funny, you know. Like there's a scene where he punches the clown. There's a scene where he's cooking their garbage. There's the scene. What is it? Where he who threatens to cut off the boyfriend's like that's it's hilarious, right? But it, I think it also it's a very it's a very emotionally good movie because at the end like you know it's still like there's still a lesson about hey you know like about family and you know how like you know sometimes you may fight with your family but at the end of the day they're your family and they will like you know they will always support you right and like there's a very like funny scene of them getting revenge on the boyfriend and like they, they bond and it's a very like it's a because they a lot of the characters start off very far apart but throughout the course of the movie they they grow more accustomed to each other and it's I don't know. It's it's amazing. I I quote this movie on the. I I don't know. It's my favorite movie. The only possible flaw I see with it, again, heavy nostalgia. Please take this with uh with a pound of salt. Is that his sometimes some of Uncle Buck's um what is it, his motives near the back half of the movie where like oh he still needs to like get he needs to bail in this horse race to pay off these debts. You know that. And that seems a bit inconsistent with his character, like how much he's changed, that he cares about the kids now. But then again, I could also rationalize this away by saying he's probably still sticking to like, he's probably still trying to be like upfront, like still trying to appear as like the normal Uncle Buck for his friends. You know, he's trying not to like show that the kids have changed him too much. But whatever. I don't know. I love this movie. Go watch this movie. Watch it again. Watch it 30 times. I love this movie so much. Yeah. I, I, you, it's funny you mentioned nostalgia has to play a, a, a good amount of, I guess uh part as to why you love the movie because i watched this movie you know in my teenage years not not when i was a kid just like you were but when my brother because i was watching it with my little brother my six-year-old brother and he absolutely loved the movie he was he was laughing the whole time and you know a, a lot of times when he's watching uh if he's you know if if he doesn't want to watch and he's on uh what's the word what's the word what's the word He's he uninterested. Bored? No, yeah, bored, uninterested. He just he just goes away. But this is you know, Uncle Buck was the movie that made him sit down and just laugh and watch the whole time, the whole an hour and forty minutes. All right, so okay, 
Also, again, this movie came out in '89. That that wow. Again. Yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so I guess we'll move on into I guess the movies that he he written and produced but did not direct. So first off, let's start with Pretty in Pink. To me, Pretty in Pink was fine. I guess I don't know. I have a feeling that a lot of this, like my my kind of what's the word my non-feeling in this i don't know my general lack of emotion towards his like john chooses early movies is because of you know they were made in the 80s and i wasn't a teenager during the 80s so i can't relate to them so most of the things that characters do seem wildly weird and like you know not like not very like relatable or not very um like not very like consistent you know but maybe that's just teenagers back then i know teenagers aren't exactly the most logical beings but i don't know it was fine Wow, actually, I, I I really like the movie. I think I liked it more than Sixteen Candles, because, uh, again, the dynamics between the the characters themselves being so different from one another and still somehow making it making the movie work. That for me, again, for me, if you if you have two polar opposites and you have them in one movie, that's just that just captivates me, you know, as an audience and. I, can I just point out though? Can I just point out John a young the young John Cryer looks like a mix of young Matthew Broderick and and young Oh, what's his name? What's his name? The guy from Greece. The guy from Greece. Oh, um God, John Travolta. <laughs> yes, John Travolta. Yeah, he does. hundred percent, yeah. Right? Yeah, I was thinking like I was looking I was looking at him, I was like, huh, is that Matthew Broderick? I you know, I when I watched the movie I thought it was Matthew Broderick too, and I started playing like, no it's not. What? It's not a John Cryer. Wow, that was that, I don't know. That, that, it tripped me out a bit, but you know, his you know his character Ducky, he was done wrong. He was done very wrong. Uh, I didn't like what they did to Ducky. You know, because because he's such a likable character. You know, he's those characters that the fans love. I and, don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, it was it, it was it was fun to watch for sure. Yeah. It was definitely fun to watch. I don't know if I agree with you on the whole Ducky is a lovable character so much as a no. Ducky is an ungrateful brat that really doesn't understand why, why how other people function. But, you know, whatever. To each his own. <laughs> I mean, reason yourself. Why? Defend yourself. Oh, God. I, hold on. Can, can we save one of these rants for later? I, I got to do a whole rant on some kind of wonderful, the next move we're going to be covering. I gotta do a whole rant on that. I gotta do a whole rant. All right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Enjoyable to watch. Fun to watch. Okay. Last last time I'm pointing this out. This movie came out in '86. All right. Last time I'm pointing this out in a very short amount of time. Yeah. He, he directed. Okay. Wait, he not direct. He wrote this movie and Ferris Bueller's yeah. Day Off in the same year. In you the, released yeah. even one of those movies in a year. You're good. People applaud you. He did two. Now, okay, hold on. Let's 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 look at the timeline from nineteen eighty four to nineteen eighty nine, right? He direct he produced, directed, and written sixteen candles, The Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller, Weird Science, and Uncle uh Planes Planes Automobiles and Uncle Buck. And in that same time he also written and produced Pretty in Pink. That's like six movies in four years, dude. Five years. He's insane. He's a machine. Also, don't forget, he also ran National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. <laughs> quick quick side, quick three-second bid on National Lampoon's. Uh, I didn't like that. It was very, um, 
dated. It was very what? Sorry. Dated. Dated. The comedy in that movie was very dated. It felt like it did come out in like nineteen in in the eighties, where everyone was just, oh yeah, it's it's very funny how this guy doesn't respect his wife at all. Ha ha. Like. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't like that as well. Uh, I guess we'll move on to some kind of wonderful. You you could. You, no, no, you go first. I got I to gotta rant on the back half of this movie. Just go first. No, you... Okay, all right. Uh, to be honest, I didn't really like this movie. Uh, I didn't really enjoy watching it. It was... How long was it? I think it was uh, an hour, an hour, and, hour and 35 an hour and 20 minutes, an hour and a yeah. half, an hour and a half. It felt... It felt... It felt a, it felt a long time. Uh, but, you know, I still finished the movie, so that must say something. What? That's that's basically all I have to say. <laughs> Nothing else, bro. Okay. And do you For wanna, me, I guess, personally, I'll, I'll let yeah. you have your rant. Um, I the first half of this movie, it was fine. It seemed like a generally standard. Oh, like unpopular boy, like um, like popular girl. They get together. Oh wow, she sees how good he is. Breaks up with her bad bad boyfriend. You know, and then they they walk away happy at the end of the movie. And plus, there's the, the side character. Who like the who the was who is in love with the main character, but you know not really. But like the main character doesn't see it. Like that that's a fine dynamic for a movie. But it just collapses in the second half under the weight of like all these plot threads that just don't go anywhere, and their plan makes no sense, and I don't understand what any of the characters are doing. Like, okay, I can't even remember the main character's name, but his plan for like. I don't even understand what he lo- like. If he even thought his plan through for a second, it would collapse. Because his plan in the back of the half of the movie is to like confront Leia Thompson about you know how she's just been playing him for a game, right? But then why in the goddamn like why does he take her out to an expensive restaurant? Why does he take her to an art museum? Why does he like spend so all of his college money? Which even if he didn't want to go to college, that's fine. Whatever, to each his own. You can like do something else with your life. I don't really care. But why would you in, in spend all that money on a date just to just just to say to someone, "Hey, uh, you know, why are you doing this all for a joke?" And then for some reason, she is able to flip it back on him, which doesn't make any sense cuz she's like, "Oh, well actually, you were doing the same thing with me because you um you you uh you brought me out tonight and you took me to all these expensive places." And you know, but really, you know, you like was it you were just uh bringing me here just to confront me. And it's like he was only doing that because you did the. These are not equivalent things. It, it doesn't make any sense. I feel like I'm. I feel like the, watching the back half of the movie, I was going crazy. And then, what is it? Uh, Leia Thompson, like she was, and then they they resolve everything. And Leia Thompson, they show up to the party, and then Leia Thompson gives the the main bad guy a good slap on the wrist, and then that's it. That's the whole movie. You know, of course, the main character and his side character. Uh, that was interested in him, but he wasn't interested. He is now interested in her, and they get together, and that's it. That's the whole movie. It was the most ridiculous, backwards thing I've ever seen in a movie. It didn't make any sense. The one thing I will give this movie is I really like the relationship between the main character and the bully. That was really cute. I kind of wish the bully had a bigger part in the movie, but whatever. That's just me. Okay, now the next two movies. You know, these two movies are probably the most successful. So most successful John Hughes movies in terms of I guess sales and longevity. Home Alone, so the two Home Alones, because let's be honest, the Home Alone three and Home Alone four are forgettable. Let's just push those to the side. 
So Home Alone, the Home Alone, the first one, and Home Alone two. Uh, I guess let's cover the first one first. Uh, you want to start? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, everyone, I'm pretty sure everyone like my age has a nostalgic relationship to the first Home Alone movie because it's it's on Christmas rerun, reruns every single year, and I have I have watched this movie every Christmas for I think the past thirty years. I'm not even thirty years old. This is just how I feel. Um, and so, I at this point, like, what what, what can I say about Home Alone? I already said it's a great movie. It's very like Macaulay Culkin is great in it. The Joe Pesci and the the Wet Bandits, they're like they're very funny. The like the I like the how the second half just transformed into like a saw style horror house with them keep like running into ridiculous things. I like like because even with like all that, the emotional core of the movie is also pretty solid because he just wants his family back. You know that's and like the mom coming home. I feel like it's a bit convenient that the dad just waits for the overnight flight and then gets there in the same time as the mom. That's a bit convenient, whatever. But honestly, great movie. I like it. Yeah, I was gonna say you you said that um this is a Christmas rerun, but no matter how much times you've watched this during Christmas time, you never get sick of it. You never get sick of the movie. You still the movie's obviously great. It's amazing, but one thing I have to say though, you know Joe Pesci, obviously him being a very great actor, he's he's only known I guess he's he's very he's only known for the Home Alone Home Alone movies. I mean that's not bad, but. He definitely has other better has other works that are much better than Home Alone. I like the comedy here. Comedy was funny. Uh, I think Christopher Columbus did a great job in, in directing the movie, and you could you could definitely tell you know that it, it's a, it's a it's a different director. The cuts are different. The uh, I guess the camera movement is different as well. It wasn't just it wasn't just I guess one spot and then shows everything out. And what made this, what made the movie so fun though, like so fun to watch, was how involved you got, like how involved you know the the audience got. You know, if that might sound a little weird, but you know the camera, the little camera moves make like big, make a big impact. You know, if if you just feel like you're in the same room as the characters, you'll 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 love the movie for sure. And another thing. Uh, Home Alone. I liked how, although it was funny, you know, it still had very, I guess, dramatic sequences. You know, it wasn't just totally. It wasn't just totally, comedy. It was. It was a family movie. You know, and I liked how, I like how John Hughes. He's mastered this. I guess throughout his, his life. You know, his works. He's mastered having comedy. He's had massive mixing comedy and um, drama, you know, in this, in this, I guess, in the same, almost, and almost consecutively, because uh, one you in in one scene you'd be laughing, you know, you'd be cramping your your stomach, laugh, laughing, and the scene after that you're gonna be, you're gonna be tearing up. <laughs> I, you know, Home Alone was a great movie, and Home Alone Two I think was even a better movie. I don't know, that's how, what do you think of Home Alone 2? Personally, I think Home Alone and Home Alone 2 are generally in the same class of movie. I remember for a while I liked Home Alone 2 more, but I think my just kid brain just latched on to the fact that the, the robbers get beat up even more in this one. He gets hit with a brick three times, you know, like, it, I don't think it's a better movie for having a more elaborate, like, like, 
de not death scene. I don't want to say death scene, torture scene at the end. But um, I feel like in this one, Macaulay Culkin, he gets a bit more to do. And I feel like there are some funnier scenes in this one than the first one, like the one with the angels with filthy souls, like that, like that old tiny DVD where he was to get all the hotel staff on the ground and yelling, I love you. That was funny. But um, generally, I feel like Home Alone 1 or Home Alone 2 are the same class of movie. Um, the only thing that kind of stands out as weaker in Home Alone 2 is uh, Macaulay Culkin's motivation for wanting to take out these robbers. Like, sure, of course, they're robbing, and robbing generally is bad. Um, but I feel like he's like, oh, like, he looks at that window of that kid on Christmas, he's like, oh, no one takes Christmas from kids. And then he, like, he, like that was kind of weird and out of, off-putting. But besides that, it's generally, it's generally this pretty much, not the same movie, but it's generally the same, not style, but generally the same feel or generally the same, like, rating. I would give the same rating to the first one as I would to the second one. Okay, I, well, personally, I think the second one was, was a lot better than the first one. And it's it's one of those rare instances where the sequel is better than the first the first movie. Uh, I, I like the... Uh, you said it was funnier. I also like the... I guess it, it had more drama in it. And, you know, having, have, having very funny scenes, I guess, balance it out with, you know, ha talking about, I guess, I don't want to say deep, but talking about you know, how he was alone and how basically he had to care for himself. And, you know, he don't, you know, Macaulay Culkin's character, what's his name? Kevin, you know, he didn't only care for himself. He only, he also cared for others as well, right? He helped, I guess, Mr. Duncan, uh, Mr. Duncan, right? And um, I guess you said, you know, nobody steals Christmas from children. Okay. I think now... Um... We gotta get into the tier list. Is there any movie we missed, or do you think we covered all of them? No, I think we've definitely covered all all the. Oh, did, guys. oh shoot! Did you uh, did you uh watch Weird Science or no? Oh no! Actually, I did. No? I wasn't able to watch Weird Science. No. Okay. But I, guess I can save you. I can. It. It's okay. I can save you the watch. It's a. It's a garbage fire. No. <laughs> it's it's the kind of early '80s wish fulfillment trash that. Probably like was only made to to what it for fourteen year old boys at the movie theater. And let me tell you, fourteen year old boys do not have great taste. And I'm saying this as a sixteen year old boy. Okay, <laughs> we do not have great taste. I will look back at half of these ratings in a year and tell my and look at how stupid I was. Trust me. Anyways, <laughs> I think we can move on to the tier list. Okay. Yeah. So the tier list. I guess let's go, uh, movie per movie. Uh, let's start out with sixteen candles. I think I'll put sixteen candles in the C tier. I, I think I'd I'd put it a little bit above to B tier. Again, I yeah, I think you know, aside from being not not having, I guess, the best performance, I think and the best plot, but I think I still think the the dialogue was great. It was fairly funny. I like um what's his name? I like Michael's performance. And yeah. Sorry, no, yeah, Anthony, Anthony Michael Hall. I like his performance there, but you know, B tier. It was, it was, eh, it was all right. Okay. Um, how about uh, the Breakfast Club? Black Club. The that 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 the Breakfast Club. <laughs> uh, Breakfast Club. Now this movie, I think I'm gonna have to put it to S tier. Yeah, S tier. You know. 
Uh, okay, so we let's go back to I guess episode one with Stan Kubrick with uh 2001 Space Odyssey. I I I stated that I put it in S tier because it was open interpret. It was so open interpretation and, and that it becomes timeless. I think the Breakfast Club too. It it becomes timeless in a way that it speaks to. I guess not everybody. Obviously, it definitely didn't speak to you. It, it speaks to a lot of you know teenagers and how they feel in their life right now. Um, we're, how about, I mean, for me, Breakfast, I, I, Breakfast Club would probably be another C tier. Just, it's fine. I don't know. It's fine. Moving on. Um, how about, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Ferris. Now, again, as I previously said, this is my favorite movie of all time. Ferris Bueller is funny. Uh, amazing, careless character. Great dynamics, those funny jokes. Ah, definitely S tier for sure, one hundred percent. Okay, I think I'm gonna have to go with um B tier. It's good, but it's not great. I mean, it's it's good. It's 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 some parts are great, some parts are not great. It's good. B tier. All right, all right. So uh, next up, I guess let's go to Pretty in Pink. Yeah. What What would you give Pretty in Pink? Pretty in Pink, I'd give it. Mm, a tier, yeah. I no, B tier, B tier. Okay. I, I, I give it a B tier. B tier, okay. I give it a B tier. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely more fitting. That's <laughs> definitely more fitting. Yeah, definitely B tier. Uh, again, it was it was all right. It was good enough for me to enjoy and watch the whole entire time. Mhm. I think I'm gonna have to give it C tier again. Just this. I don't know. Nothing has been D tier so far, at least from what we've discussed. No, okay, all right. Wow. Okay. So. How about um some kind of wonderful? Uh, again, as I said, I didn't really enjoy the movie. I'd have to give it C tier. I don't. Nothing. Nothing much for me to say. I didn't really enjoy the movie. You know. I, I mean, I I did get through it, right? So that's that says something. But it wasn't something. You know, it's not not. My favorite, for sure. I think this. I think for me, this movie's gonna sit between D and C tier, like lower part of C tier, upper part of D tier, like right between it, like smack dab <laughs> in the middle. All right. Okay. Uh, next up, we have planes, trains, and automobiles. I think I'm gonna have to give that movie an A tier. Yeah, A tier as well. Definitely one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. One of the best movies I've ever seen. And has a really great ending and a really good emotional performance from comedy actors of all people, which are not known for giving good emotional performances. Yeah, definitely A tier as well. Playing Chains on Wheels. Great movie. Everyone should watch it. Uh, next up, we have. Uh, what do we have up next? Home Alone? Oh, yeah, Uncle Buck. Sorry about that. Uncle Buck. I'm going to give Uncle Buck S tier. And no, I will not elaborate. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would I would give Uncle Buck a tier for the same exact same reason minus the minus nostalgia. Nostalgia is a hell of a uh, drug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so Home Alone, Home Alone, the first Home Alone. I'm gonna have to give that a B tier. It's good. I like it. I think yeah, I'd have to give the first Home Alone a B tier as well. You know, just because I I want to give Home Alone two A tier, but I don't want Home Alone. I don't want I don't want 
you know, I don't want them to be, I guess, around the same ranking just because I thought Home Alone 2 was, was better. So with that being said, what is your Home Alone 2 tier list? For me, Home Alone 2 would probably be a, a B tier. It's good. It's pretty much the same as the first movie. Not story-wise, story but just rating-wise. All right. I mean, B tier for Home Alone 2 and Home Alone, that's a bold move right there, man. I know, I know. And <laughs> I think um, that about wraps it up. Oh, wait, I forgot. Weird Science and National Lampoon's Vacation. Time to put those on the F tier where they belong. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Weird Science. F tier for sure. F tier. F tier. Okay. Um, I think we have uh, talked about John Hughes for as long as uh, two, two people physically can without shooting their brains out. Um, so I think <laughs> that's going to have to do it for this episode of uh, Not Film Critics. And um, I'll see you next time. Special thanks to Nicholas Bianklin. Make sure to subscribe to his YouTube channel at The End Note. Or you can follow him on Instagram at music. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at not.film.critics and on Twitter at nonfilmcritics for exclusive content and news. See ya.